Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Your mind, body, and soul were not meant to live disconnected from each other. Putting all the beautiful parts of you into one breathtakingly whole experience is what you deserve. As a life coach, I work to support your story. Together, we can set free the story of you. I bring guests onto my show so that you can hear powerful stories of other women all across the world. I want you to see how profoundly important living and telling stories is. I understand what it feels like to live under expectations and programming that are not aligned with who you are. I learned to write my own story in my year of Jess, and I want to guide you as you write the story of you. Your beauty, power, and value are already in there, in you. It's time. Time to take your pen back and write the story of you. It begins today. Go to my website, jessicatravis.com backslash free journal guide. I've created a five-day journal guide free to you. Five days, five emails, one new story of you. After subscribing, I'm going to send you an email with a link to my private Facebook group called Get Connected. I'm creating a community for you to embrace and fall in love with the story of you. Hi, everybody. I am really excited about my guest today. I have Shelby star with me today. I knew her as Shelby George, so I'm still, <laughs> after even several years, still uh, in my head, she's Shelby George. <laughs> That's um, but uh, Shelby and I had um, met through working at a um, run specialty store. And um, I remember when she first started working for us, she really wasn't even a runner, but so into running clothes. <laughs> oh, yes, that was bad. A lot of money spent there. Um, well, and Shelby and I, the longer we were there, we got to work closer together on, um, you know, social media and marketing and mm-hmm. stuff for the business. And so we just got a chance to spend a lot more time together. And before we knew it, Shelby was just part of our family. My girls loved you. We loved you. (laughs) Um, So we kind of go a little ways back. Um, One of the the first things I came to understand about you is that pretty much anybody I met in Spokane knew Shelby. Oh, my gosh. That's because anybody that you meet in Spokane knows my mom. (laughs) 
first. It, it was it was pretty funny. I was like, there's I, almost everybody I meet, we somehow can circle back to <laughs> Shelby. So, um, and you introduced us to a lot of people and our life just became so much fuller mm-hmm. for having you in it. And But what's been really exciting for us is that we've been able to watch you journey um, through a lot of things, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time you talked about uh, going on a date with William, <laughs> <laughs> you coming to work and talking about that, oh boy. Um, who is now your husband, yep. so. <laughs> and then uh, your journey to having Emery, your mm-hmm. daughter. So I'm really excited to dive into a lot of this so you can just share the story of you the way yeah. you want to share it. Um, so my first question for you is, Shelby, who are you? Oh, boy. So I am a believer. I love Jesus. I, um, my life is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. So that's the first and most important thing about me. Um, I'm a wife, like you said to William, we've been married for three and a half years and oh my gosh, it's really been that long. I know it feels like, I just, I remember your wedding. Like I know. It was yesterday. I know. And, um, we have a beautiful, 14 month old daughter named Emery. She's the light of my life. And, um, we, we've, I've been in Spokane my whole life, basically, um, born and raised. I'm a pastor at life center in Spokane and I've gone to life center for 22 years. So really my whole, my whole life has been there and now I get to work there and it's just such a privilege and an honor. I love what I do. Um, yeah. And I, I'm passionate about, helping women navigate infertility because we navigated those roads. Um, and yeah, William and I just love, we love connecting with people. We're big foodies. We love eating out. Mm. We love eating out. Um, and we just love opening our home, obviously under normal circumstances, not where our world is right now, but we love having people over. We love, um, hosting people and just getting to know people. And yeah, we're all about people and we're, we're all about Jesus and we're all about people. And we like to do those two things together because mm. they go together. So, yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I think is a very defining thing about you is how um, community-oriented and uh, just people, connections, social, mm-hmm. all of that. So this pandemic has had to be really hard on you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think my husband and I had argued more. Mm. in our relationship than we did in the first month or so of the pandemic, because, you know, he's a serious introvert, like big time introvert. He COVID-19, what it's done as far as putting us in our houses, it's his dream. Like uh, It's mine too. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> not me. <laughs> so, no. you know, I'm like bursting at the seams of our tiny house and he's like, this is my dream, mm. you know? So just really butted heads in the beginning, but yeah, I, I have to be, I'm a people person. Yeah. Always have been. My seventh grade history teacher told me that she thought someday I'd run a dating site, like hooking people up and <laughs> be like, cause she's like, you're such a social butterfly. I'm like, that's not what I don't want to do with my life, but okay. But you have had, you have found spaces in your life where this is actually a really beautiful attribute to what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we go there, I do have one more question about okay. pandemic. What were some things with 
knowing who you are and the needs that you have, what were some of the things that you did um, during um, the shelter and during this time when we're more isolated from each other to help um, stay connected with people? Yeah. Um, I, I just decided that Zoom was going to be a thing that I got on board with. Um, and I just had to embrace that that's the way that we were going to connect for a while. So, um, I'm in a book club. We meet once a month and we decided to do that on zoom. I actually found like, um, a website that has like cards against humanity online and like all my (laughs) girlfriends and I just like all from our own houses just had like a wine and cards against humanity night, just like we would in person, but On on zoom and you know what? It worked. And we still, we talk about that. It's like, wow, that was so fun. Yeah. Um, so just doing things like that, I had to embrace what was realistic in that time. And then, you know, as soon as we could make it a little bit safer to go on walks and stay distant from each other, we would do that. Mm -hmm. You know, even when it was a little bit too cold, I just, I had to, I had to be, I had to be me in Mm -hmm. that time. And and it was, it was hard, you know, and it is hard, but um, it's just where we're at right now. Yeah. It's the reality. I think we're all having, having to reinvent, um, how we connect with people. Yep. Um, and I actually think it's a lot more intentional. We, mm-hmm. we don't get to take it for granted like we used to. Yeah. So I find that the connections I do have um, run a bit deeper mm-hmm. than they used to. Yeah. But it's definitely fewer. Yep. Um, we, Casey and I went to grab a beer at um, Perry Street Brewery today, and it's, it's a great experience for we actually get to get out, but it's if there's too many people there, they can't let you in. Yep. You know, it's there's all these things we have to be aware of that uh, kind of take away from some of the things we liked about the experience, right? right? Yep. So um, the other thing I know about you is you have loved to travel. Mm. And um, for the for the years that I have known you, you've actually done a lot of traveling, mm-hmm. Um but even more before I met you, mm-hmm. um, what is, what is that about for you? So I, it's funny cause I grew up, um, I grew up in pretty extreme poverty and, um, I remember the first time I left the country, I thought, man, like I only ever dreamed. I never dreamed. I could never could have dreamed that I would be doing something like this. And that, that thought and that feeling has stuck with me every single time my feet have set ground in another place. Um, and so the first time I was just 18 and I went with some friends to Mexico for spring break. Um, and then, and that was my only international travel experience. And then I went on a mission trip when I was 20 or 21. And, um, that was also to Mexico. And I was just, captivated by the culture and the people and the way the church, um, the way the church is in Mexico. And so I was just so compelled and I really felt that my next step was to move down there. So I ended up living there for like six months and teaching English and working in a church there. And I learned just invaluable things about myself and about God and about the church and just the world. Um, and, and, and when I moved home, um, things were kind of at a standstill for a while as far as travel. And then, um, I was hired at life center and I was the international missions pastor. So that obviously led me to more travel. So my husband and I went to Europe 
for our honeymoon for three and a half weeks. And that was just incredible. Mm. Um, we went all over. It was so fun. Um, and then our first year of marriage, we added it up. I was gone like over 90 days in that Mm. first year. Um, I went to Kenya. Um, I went to Fiji. I went to Mexico again. Um, and then my husband and I got to go to Kenya. Um, I got to go to Europe, uh, France, uh, Spain, Portugal, all over again for another month in Europe. And then, um, I found out I was pregnant right before that last, that last trip to Europe. And I haven't gotten to travel since then. We definitely want to more and I'm no longer in that role as the missions pastor. So, um, so I won't be traveling in that respect much more, Mm -hmm. but we, my husband and I love travel. So we're for sure going to keep going. I just had one of my best friends move to Norway. As soon as I can get there, I'm like, (laughs) I am there. I need to travel again. Cause yeah, I love it. It's really nice when you know someone who lives internationally. Exactly. Gives you all the all the reasons. Insider to go. tips, place yeah. to stay, yeah, everything. Uh, well, um, you said you talked about uh, finding out you were pregnant, mm-hmm. um, and I know that has been a real journey for you. Mm-hmm. And you actually had um, prior to even getting married, mm-hmm. you were having some real health issues mm-hmm. that um, that you were just on this this health body journey for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Tell tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, like you said, when I first started at Fleet Feet, I was not the biggest runner, but I, I quickly, um, got pretty into it and, um, did my first half marathon shortly after starting to work there and, um, just was consistently running from then on. And, um, about a year after I started my body just kind of like freaked out. Yeah. It just like went, I don't even know. I just um, remember you being at church, at church, <laughs> being at uh, work mm-hmm. and, uh, your body was swelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My I feet mean, were like just, the size of grapefruits and yeah. it didn't happen overnight, but slowly I was like, wow. It was pretty fast yeah. though, because I mean, it was keeping you from being able to work normally. Right. And it was obvious, like right. you could see, this yes. is not Shelby. This right. is something wrong. I couldn't run. It was, so it really just took everything from me. And it took um, doctors about mm, almost three months to diagnose what was going on with me. So um, it ended up being kidney disease and um, that was treated. And it was a long road to getting better, but now it's in remission and it hasn't come back since then. It's it's a kind of odd, there's no known cause. There's no known cure. It's pretty rare. So, um, it could come back at any time, but it hasn't. And I'm just praying it doesn't. Um, but then, so after I got that all figured out, um, there were just still some things with my body that I just knew weren't right. Um, and, and I was rapidly gaining weight all, even though I was preparing for a wedding and like working out a lot and still mm-hmm. running. And I just couldn't figure out what was wrong with my body. And, um, it was actually really crazy. Someone at my church, um, just came up to me and, and she told me, you know, I think you're supposed to see this doctor who goes to our church and, um, and you know, he's an OBGYN and, you know, he could just check your hormones and just kind of see mm-hmm. what, if there's something that he could find that's going on. And I said, okay, well, what can hurt? I'll yeah. make an appointment. Um, and the first appointment that I had, um, the doctor told me, you know, 
yeah, there's some pretty serious things going on with your body and it's probably less than 1% chance you'll ever have kids. And Mm. I had been married for three months and obviously kids weren't quite on our radar and it just kind of threw us for a loop. We were just blindsided by that news and, you know, all of a sudden thinking, do we want to start trying to have kids way sooner than we expected to? Do we, what route do we go? Mm -hmm. And that led us to deciding, okay, well, if the chances are so low, we better start moving in that direction now. So, and that kind of started our journey toward trying to start a family. Hmm. What did you uh, discover about yourself in that journey of wrestling with your body in this way and uh, just having to switch gears like that. Like you said, you weren't quite prepared, but you knew you need, you know, you guys wanted to go down this road. What were, what was it that you discovered about you in that process? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I don't think I had ever had my faith challenged that much. I don't think I had ever wondered if, you know, I mean, I have seen God do big miracles in my life and I, I was always able to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, um, if someone's sick they're going to get better. Mm -hmm. Um, if a situation's hard, it's not going to be forever. And this was just, I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see how this was going to work out. Um, and so I think it brought me to a place where I realized I can't, I can't do it all. I can't, um, I can't, I'm, I like to have control. Hmm. I can't control everything. That's really what it was. Um, even, even always looking at the light at the end of the tunnel, that's kind of a control thing. You know, you can imagine the light and you can do what you can to get towards the light. Mm -hmm. And in this, there was just no light at the end of the tunnel for me. So I think I realized how much, how little control I had and sitting in that space of not having control was scary for me. Yeah. Yeah. But then this beautiful little thing called Emery. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So then we, um, I had to, you know, do 15 months of fertility meds and, um, each month all the tests were coming back negative and nothing was even showing that my body was responding to the meds. So not only were, you know, negative pregnancy tests, but also just negative everything else. My body wasn't even responding to the medicine. So again, just no control Mm -hmm. and discouragement. And, um, and then my doctor decided to do a surgery. So I had surgery. And, um, after that I got pregnant two months later, Mm. um, on a mission trip in Kenya. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it was, oh, wow. Just the, the best moment of my life. Just really, yeah. And, now Emery's here. It's still unbelievable. I look at her every day and I'm just like, what? Yeah. You're, like you're my daughter. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, she is such a, uh, visual 
combination of you and Will. Mm-hmm. Um, I see so many things about you, but there's these moments that I'm like, oh my gosh, she's totally, she's totally Will. Yep. You know, it's yeah. she, she's just such a beautiful combination of the two of you. Even in personality, we're starting to see she's she's like me, and that everyone she walks by, hi, 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 you know, mm-hmm. but she's like Will in that she'll just go play on her own for, mm-hmm. you know, longer than I expect a 14 month old to be able to entertain themselves and be content playing mm-hmm. by themselves, you know, and it's just kind of fun to start seeing what parts of each of us are coming mm-hmm. out and just who she is. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you also had this, uh, you were given a beautiful gift in Emory, but because of Emory, you've been able to give beautiful gifts to women all over Spokane. Um, including my own daughter, um, you have, uh, I, I, you have provided breast milk for babies all over Spokane. Mm -hmm. And I just think this is, uh, watching you in that process, particularly with my daughter and helping her as she navigated these waters of, um, nursing and mm. understanding what that was for her own journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the gift that that is. And I will, I, I want to share why I find it so profound. Um, because when I had my first daughter, I about five and a half weeks in, um, I had kind of an emergency gallbladder surgery. And the surgery was enough of a shock on my system that I no longer could nurse. Mm. Um, and at that time, the only alternative I had was a breast pump in the hospital, which it, it was very, it felt like a very sterile thing to mm-hmm. be doing. It was, n- nobody was journeying this with me. They just kind of hand it to you and say, you got to do this. Mm-hmm. And my body didn't respond to it. I'm going through an internal trauma about not being able to nurse my child. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the only other option was, well, formula. Here you go. And I didn't have a community around me at that time that said there might be another option here. Mm -hmm. And um, so watching what you did for moms all over Spokane um, was something I wish so much that I had had Mm -hmm. at that time. Um, One, I think I could have had a different experience when my daughter was that young. But two, I think you connected women to each other and you connected women to their babies mm-hmm. in a way that let them still hold dignity um, and even um, the ability to feel like they were still being a good mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because there's so much, um, there's so much tied into, you know, being a new mom. And even if it's not your first kid, all the, you should, you shouldn't, Mm -hmm. this is best, this is, you know. And one thing, because it was so hard to get pregnant, I I worried a lot that I wouldn't be able to breastfeed Mm -hmm. just because I didn't know what my hormones would do, if my hormones would allow me to produce milk. Um, And I just, I prayed so much that I think that was probably the prayer that I prayed more in pregnancy than any other was just, God, please give me the ability to breastfeed. And like, okay, I know that God answers prayers, but like, whoa, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. My doctor called me the milkmaid. Um, and, you and you know, even made deliveries. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, as I was stashing it away, 
we weren't needing that much. And then especially once, um, once COVID hit, I was home with my daughter for 15 weeks and typically she goes to my mom's two days a week and I would be sending milk to my mom's and I wasn't doing that because I was with her all the time. So here I had all this milk in the freezer, just stashing up. And I just thought, you know, it's, it's not, it's going to be doing a lot better out there Mm -hmm. than it is sitting in the freezer. And it's, it's kind of emotional giving away, you know, you imagine all those times you sat at the pump and yeah, but, um, yeah, it's, it was so rewarding, especially when moms would send me pictures of their babies, you know, drinking a bottle. And I'm just like, wow, my body, my body did that. You know, it's just, it was cool. It was a real um, privilege. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to see women support each other. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, the most seemingly basic things that we want and need for our children or for our families, um, when we can do that for each other, I mean, it's just, Mm. uh, I got goosebumps every time I saw a (laughs) post on social media that somebody had benefited from from you in that way it was and and obviously from my my own daughter and her struggle in the beginning and um yeah so I I just wanted to uh I guess uh acknowledge what a gift you gave to our community here in doing that thank you um so as you raise this daughter Emery um what uh what part of uh, of you, of your story, are you looking to instill into Emery? What What is important to you to see the next generation of you um, have? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, my life changed um, drastically. And, and this is a huge part of my story just because of what, um, God has done in my life and, um, being able to encounter Jesus at such a young age, even mm. through all of the horrible things I was experiencing in my life, just drastically changed the core. I mean, it changed my life forever. And, um, the biggest thing that I pray for my daughter is that she'll grow up you know, knowing God's love for her and wanting to follow Jesus and wanting to help people find and follow Jesus. And, you know, that's something that William and I try to model for her all the time. And, um, just that, you know, we can't save her. We can't, um, anything that we get to do for her is by the grace of God. And, um, I want her to, and I think about this a lot. I want her to grow in her own relationship with God. Um, like I said, I have a control thing. So <laughs> um, it will be really cool to see how she grows in that and me just being able to release control and watch her um, watch that just become their relationship and not mine and Emery's relationship. I think a lot of people um, exercise their parents' faith. Mm-hmm. And then that's why it becomes so futile and, um, yeah. you know, for lack of a better word, just weak. Yeah. Um, and I don't want Emery to exercise my faith. Mm-hmm. I want to raise her in the way that we believe is true and, um, but watch her develop that relationship with God that's hers and, um, just see what he does in her life. Cause I know his plans for her are just like way better than mine, you know, way better than anything I could even imagine for her life. 
are his plans for her. And yeah, that's, that's what I, I want to instill in her, but then also watch her kind of take off on her own too, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. I I mean, it's an exciting thing. I, I think especially moms of daughters, um, because we, we have, um, we have this understanding of what it means to journey through life as a woman mm-hmm. and uh, the things that are beautiful about it, but also the things that are incredibly difficult about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's things that I definitely wanted for my girls that I didn't have opportunity to mm-hmm. or I didn't have choice um, about. Yeah. And seeing them uh, journey through that on their own and... Um, learn, learn their own path to, to those realizations of themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, but also to see those amazing attributes that, uh, make them who they are. I, I tell my oldest daughter all the time that the, the stubborn, uh, part of you is the thing that gets you in trouble and it's the thing that gets you out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like this, um, superpower and kryptonite all wrapped in one, you know, and, but seeing that play out in life is, it's a beautiful thing. I think that's the exciting thing about being a parent. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you said you, you made some, um, reference to, um, wanting things to be different, having, um, a bit of a difficult story growing up Mm -hmm. yourself. So what is the story of Shelby um, as a child to Shelby now, like, I know that's a very long story, so I understand that, but, um, but obviously there were things in your life that got you to who you are Mm -hmm. in this moment right now Mm -hmm. in the way that you want to help Emery move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some of those things that you encountered in your life that developed who you write, who you are right now in this moment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I was, you know, I was born to addicted parents and, um, because of choices that they made, um, I grew up for a season of my life without my mom. I grew up for a season of my life without my dad. Um, and just in a lot of, um, not great situations, we were very poor. Um, I was separated from siblings for, for times, um, I actually met one of my sisters when I was 16 because we had been separated since I was three. Mm. Um, just a lot of, a lot of difficulty. I, I learned about the ACEs adverse childhood experiences and there's a scale of 10 and, um, there are certain questions you answer. And if you answer yes, then you have, you know, one and I have like seven or eight Mm. and, um, automatically learning that I, you know, look up all the statistics and there's statistics of dying of heart disease and all these different things because of how high your ACEs are. And, um, all that to say, you know, I grew up, it was very hard. Um, and that was from birth until I graduated high school. And for me, I, you know, encountered Jesus for the first time when I was six. And I would say, from the time I was six until probably high school, I was exercising my, my parents' faith and really my mom's faith. Um, my mom has 22 years sober now, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she first got sober, she started going to the church I work at now. And that's how we ended up there. And she has this incredible story of what God has done in her life. And um, a lot of people 
knew her and, you know, we go to a pretty large church. And so, um, I kind of lived those years in my mom's shadow and everyone at church, Oh, you're Carrie's daughter, you're Carrie's daughter, you know? Um, so I was super involved. Um, I would do youth group. I served in the espresso bar. I served in kids. I did everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I truly loved it. But what I learned later on in life was that I was not exercising my own faith. I was exercising my, mm-hmm. my parents' faith, yeah. my mom's faith. Which many of us do yes. who grow up in the church. Yes. I mean, it's just, totally. we come to this place in life where we go, oh, wait, okay, what part of this is mine? Mm-hmm. What part of this belongs to my parents? Right. And we have to wrestle with that, yes. right? And through all those years, God was definitely doing real and good work in my life. Seeds were being planted mm-hmm. about who he is and his plans for my life. I, be, I believe what I was called to do in my life um, was revealed to me in those years. And um, But when life gets hard, rubber meets the road, and that's where you know your faith is tested. And for me, that happened in high school. We went through incredibly difficult things. Um, my mom went through an extremely painful divorce with um, a stepdad I was really close with. And um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and was given a 25% survival. I was all of a sudden raising my siblings and didn't have a dad. My dad was absent at the time. Now my stepdad's gone. And I just couldn't understand why if God was so loving and cared so much for me, why this was the life I was living. Right. And so I just questioned if it was worth living. And and if he really was good and, and gracious, then I could just, you know, die and go be with him in heaven. And um, so at, at 14, you know, I, I tried to end my own life and obviously that was unsuccessful. Um, but I remember shortly after that, having an experience with, um, working with people who are homeless and who are in poverty and, um, specifically an encounter with one person who came to an outreach thing we were putting on and he was just praising God and, um, so joyful through the circumstances he was in. And I thought, wow, if this is his life and he's still able to find joy in who Jesus is and I'm over here with no doubt hard things but without all the joy and I thought how much better would my life be with the joy Mm -hmm. amidst the hardships and um, yeah God just revealed to me I have a purpose for you and that's really when my faith became mine and Mm -hmm. um, when I learned I can do hard things with him and I'm never alone. And, um, that was when I really started developing my faith for myself and life didn't get easier miraculously. You know, it doesn't, that's not how it works. But all of a sudden I had this strength to get through Mm. it that I didn't have before. So 
yeah, and I said a little bit earlier, then I graduated high school, moved to Mexico, taught all this. Um, and again, that infertility was that the rubber's meeting the road again. And this is really challenging. And now not only am I questioning God's plan and his goodness and all these things, but now I'm a pastor and I'm questioning (laughs) those things. So what does that mean? You know, and navigating through those things. And then really in my pregnancy was when I had some of that stuff from my childhood come to the surface and, um, realizing, okay, I, need to deal with some of that stuff like on a real deep level because my biggest fear was taking the toxic things that I grew up in and around and not just the the um addiction and all that because that's never really been a struggle for me but the um the generational chains um the emotional manipulation and the um toxicity and relationships and the inability to set boundaries. I didn't want to take that into my relationship with my daughter. And by the grace of God, I was able to have the awareness that I was already taking it into my marriage. Hmm. And that pushed me to get into therapy. And that was the best decision that I've ever made. Um, I, I truly think that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for what I have worked out in counseling and, and that's been a journey for the last about year and a half. And my counselor is incredible. She's gosh, been a saving grace for me and just learning, okay, my story is my story and my past is a part of my story, but it doesn't define the future of my story and my Mm -hmm. daughter's story. And, um, along with all those aces that I have, there's also resiliency and you can, you can take tests to find what your aces are. You can take tests to figure out how resilient you are. And my counselor helped me realize, wow, like I'm incredibly resilient and not everyone who experiences things like I went through as a child ends up in situations like I'm in now, like truly living my dream. And that's, um, that's by the grace of God that he has, you know, given me the ability to to make choices that I have and kind of prove that resilience, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think it's that piece where we're, we're able to say or look inward and say, I don't have all the answers mm-hmm. to fix this thing. And it's okay mm-hmm. for me to reach out for somebody who might have some answers Mm -hmm. on how to get me through that. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I kind of grew up in this idea and, uh, you're closer in age to my daughters than you are probably to me. Mm -hmm. I haven't done the math, but I think that's probably pretty close. Okay. (laughs) Um, and I, uh, in, in what I grew up with in Christianity was that therapy um, and counseling was a little bit of a taboo thing Mm. in that, uh, the other extreme was God can answer all the problems and you have to kind of figure that out mm-hmm. a bit on your own yeah. and therapy isn't a piece that you need to plug into that. So unfortunate. It is. And um, because I think I think now we've understood that there is beauty in mm-hmm. guidance and beauty in, in other people knowing more than mm-hmm. we do and knowing how to guide us through coping skills yeah. and 
uh, and unpack the things that we need to unpack. Mm -hmm. And um, it hasn't been until probably the last three years that I've really um, taken advantage of therapy and uh, neuroscience and the things that really help me to understand, oh, that's why I do that thing Mm -hmm. over and over and over again, right? And I've found for me, I don't know if you feel this way, but I found for me that it actually helps me to shift from, I'm estranged from my dad, Mm -hmm. um, and there's a whole gaslighting relationship that exists there with him, um, and some, uh, not physical, but abusive behavior Mm -hmm. um, in growing up with him. And and it, it could be so easy for me to target him in who I who I see I am in my deficient areas mm-hmm. or in my, I don't like this about myself, <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, one of the things that I have found in therapy is understanding that it it's part of that whole thing, but I can unlearn it. Mm-hmm. I can unlearn what I had experienced in that time and learn something new, which sounds like what you're talking about wanting to do for yourself so that Emery has something mm-hmm. different than what you did. Yeah. And I, that, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. I didn't want a parent out of the trauma that I experienced. And I kind of just thought, well, this is who I am. There's no other way to be, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a traumatized person. Right. And, you know, we, we don't, you know, if I, if I was to have my arm cut off, I don't lay there and say, oh, well, God will put my arm back together. You mm-hmm. know, I go to the doctor and I let doctors fix that, you know, and no doubt God uses doctors. I believe that. Oh, I wouldn't Um, be here if they didn't. Yeah. (laughs) If he didn't. And what about for our brains though? You know, like why, when we're struggling mentally, do we say, well, I'll just figure it out or God will heal it. You know, Mm -hmm. he gives us tools and I believe it was a total miracle. I made an appointment after a couple, you know, you have to find the right counselor. Oh, you do. Absolutely. I made a couple appointments and just, you know, you're like, okay, no, not going to go back there again. And finally I had heard a couple referrals from some friends for counselors. And, um, there were two and one of them knew my mom and I was, I didn't want to go to her because a lot of what I needed to unpack was for my parents. And I didn't want someone who knew either of my parents. So I made an appointment with the other counselor in that office and they were like a six week wait. I said, whatever, I'll wait. I've already had a couple not great fits. So I'll (laughs) wait for, you know, a good fit. And I get there or they call me the day before. Hi, we're just calling to confirm your appointment with so-and-so. And And it was the other counselor who knew my mom. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. Um, It was supposed to be with the other counselor. And they said, oh, we're so sorry. Like, this is who your appointment is with. And I just thought, okay. I've been waiting six weeks. I'll just go and see, Mm -hmm. you know, what's what. And that was, there's no other way to explain it. I am certain that I made the appointment with the other counselor. And by the grace of God, I got with this counselor. And the first appointment I said, listen, I know you and your husband know my mom and I need to unpack some things in here. And so um, I need to know if you're going to be willing to separate who you know my mom to be and some stuff that I need to work through in the past. And, um, and it was, you know, we talked through that and my goodness, it's been incredible. And she, um, she's a Christian counselor and her husband is a author, theologian, professor at Whitworth and, um, they're, you know, amazing people. 
who believe in Jesus and believe in therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's what I needed. I needed both of those things in one. I didn't think I could go to a therapist who didn't believe the same core beliefs as me. um, Because I I knew that that would only be able to go so far. Right. But this was the perfect fit. And it has been an incredible journey in learning my trauma doesn't define me. And just like when I break my arm, it heals. Your brain can heal from trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, Our bodies heal from all sorts of traumas, you know, physical traumas that we experience and our brains can do the same thing. But I needed the tools in order to work towards that healing. And it is so hard. I think the first six months of counseling, every single time I came home, my husband just knew like I'm done for the night. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it was tears. It was outrage. It was anger. It was sadness. It was grief. It was grief, exhaustion. Mm -hmm. You know, it was tears and on top of that, I was pregnant. So, you know, the hormones, <laughs> but um, let's just put it all on. One. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's, you know, it's, it's a little easier and that's because there's been healing, right. you know? So the healing is what has given me the ability to not focus all of this. Oh, look at how many adverse childhood experiences I have. You know, I messed up for life. And even if I fix this, then I'm still going to die of heart disease and all these things that I was terrified of. I'm able to see, oh, wow, look how resilient I am and look Mm -hmm. how much God has done in my life that's not defined by all of that. Right. The ability to come to those realizations is because there's been healing, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, um, that's what our, our brains and our minds need. Mm -hmm. Trauma runs so deep into the brain. We don't even realize when we, when we're going deep into the body. We don't even uh, realize how many things we're doing on a physical level Mm -hmm. that are response to traumas we've experienced from somewhere in our our life. And that the coping skills that we uh, learn, um, oftentimes they save us, you know, they Mm -hmm. get us through the circumstance we need to get through. Um, But then there's a point in time where they don't, those coping skills don't serve us anymore to be able to move forward. And for me, I didn't know how to undo the coping skills um, to move forward into uh, something new. Mm-hmm. I only knew how to keep surviving. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a beautiful thing when I see people say, it's okay, it's good, it's uh, beneficial, mm-hmm. it's a compliment to my life when I can... Um, look for these resources in my life. I'm so glad the stigma around therapy is changing. Oh, totally. um, Because it just wasn't that way when I was growing up. I mean, half the time you didn't know that trauma was what was in your life, right? right? Um, If you can, and I don't know if this is too vulnerable of a question, so if it is, you don't have to answer it. But I'm curious what is one of your biggest takeaways from this time of therapy in terms of how it changed how you move forward. Hmm. I would say the biggest takeaway has been, um, like practical tool takeaway. Like if you could, uh, if you could go back and tell your 14 year old self something, what would it be? Hmm. Did you now, you now know I mean, I know you can't change the circumstances back then. That isn't what I'm asking. But what is it that you know now that you understand now through this uh, 
healing of mm-hmm. yourself that you would love to offer to that 14 year old self. Yeah. It would probably be that the journey to healing is going to be just as hard as the trauma being inflicted in itself. Um, Like you said, you know, trauma affects our bodies and anytime I'm reliving, revisiting a traumatic memory, my counselor will ask me where I feel it in my body mm-hmm. or anytime, you know, I have a triggered moment in the week and then I go to talk about it in therapy. Where do you feel that in your body? Because we do feel it in our bodies. So when you're on the journey to healing, it's almost just as hard because you're, you're reliving yeah. that again. You're re- you're feeling it again. Um, so I would tell myself the journey to healing is going to be just as hard, if not harder, but it will be incredibly worth it. And it's worth every ounce of hard work that is required of you. I had no idea how hard it would be um, learning all these things and unlearning so many Mm. things. Um, And it's cost me relationships and it's been... I've had to be ruthless in deciding what I would protect about my own life Mm -hmm. and myself and my family, but I wouldn't change any of it. Mm -hmm. Not at all. I would probably remind my 14 year old self. I would probably tell her, I would, I would speak to her about her resilience because mm. that's one thing I've also seen is I've been resilient all along. Um, I don't think when I think about like my suicide attempt, I don't think that was an act of cowardice. Um, I don't think that was, you're not resilient. Um, I think I would tell her you're, you've been resilient all along. The fact that you're here in another day is resilience. Mm. Um, but learning what that is and what it means was a process and Mm -hmm. it was hard and I'm still learning it. Oh my gosh. I'm still learning it. Sometimes I go to counseling and I'm like, did I learn anything the last year and a half? Cause I'm acting just like I did a year and a half ago (laughs) as far as my thoughts and my frame of mind and the way I'm looking at things. And, but you know, you're reminded of it and you can come back to it quicker because you've learned it. So, and you learn the, the skills it takes to work through that. Mm -hmm. So you get in one of those triggered moments and you actually know, okay, I have things I can do Mm -hmm. to walk through this. Yeah. I liken it to, uh, you know, when you go camping and you sit around a campfire and you have a choice to walk around the campfire to get to the other side, or you can walk right through. And obviously nobody wants to get burned. Nobody (laughs) wants to do that, but it's sort of like, I know I have to get to the other side in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Do I want to do the work that it takes, um, to be get through it once and be done with it Mm -hmm. or do I want to keep going around this thing and around this thing and around this thing and keep um (laughs) I I I don't know where I heard it it was a long time ago sometime as a kid but uh it's that uh definition of I think it's the definition of um 
insanity is yeah. to keep doing the same thing over, over and over, over again and expect different results. results. Yep. And I thought, I, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. This isn't working. I, I keep expecting a different result and I keep landing in the mm-hmm. same place. So there's got to be answers outside of myself or skill sets or, um, or ways that I can re, like you said, reprogram mm-hmm. um, the trauma to move me forward instead yeah. of in these circles, right? Um, I, I think it's uh, it's brave when anyone takes that makes that choice mm. um, to do that hard work because it isn't easy. Yeah. I, I think about the time the last three years for me going through um, therapy. Uh, it is the best thing to be on the other side, and then I say the other side not because I'm finished, <laughs> but the other side because I chose to like physically take my whole self through the traumas that I needed to take it through um, so that now that the triggering moments become smaller and smaller and smaller and my resilience, um, my ability to create the boundaries that I need, not Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to be mean to people, but because I know my capacity and I know what's healthy for me or my family and I know what's not. Um, And for, for me, I spent a lot of years orchestrating everyone else's comfort mm-hmm. um, and allowing myself to just store all of that trauma. Yeah. Um, and so to be able to say, no, I don't have to carry yours for you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I can support you and I can love you, but yeah. I don't carry it for mm-hmm. you. Um, I'm busy carrying my own. Right. <laughs> right? And that's heavy enough. It's heavy enough. Yep. Um, but it, it's, you're right. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I look back at um, my 14-year-old self and, gosh, the, you know, the things that I would tell her are just, you're a freaking Wonder Woman. Yeah. Don't get caught up in believing all this bullshit everybody tells yeah. you about who you are. Yep. You're a freaking Wonder Woman. Yep. So go live like you are. Yep. Um, so I, in the, the part of you Shelby that I've known all this time has been someone, I mean, I think resilience is a beautiful word for you. Mm. Um, but courageous is mm. too. Thank you. I've seen you, um, face head on things that are incredibly difficult to mm. face. Um, emotionally, physically, um, you just choose to go forward. Mm. Um, I think you have like this gravity gravitational pull to move forward for you to stay put in a space I think would probably destroy (laughs) you (laughs) I'm an Enneagram seven so I'm you know energy excitement what's the next thing life has even if it's hard and um yeah I can't I can't and and I think one thing that I've learned about myself is that I am ruthless in my, in my desire for growth and growth typically comes when you go through hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that meant counseling, that was going to be counseling. I, and I, I was going to do it head on full speed. Um, and if that, you know, at, at one point in my life, I used to hate reading and now I read a lot. And that was because I knew leaders are readers <laughs> and growth is going to come from reading. And now I just read like nobody's business. I love reading. So those, you know, those, like, if this is going to make me grow reading therapy, whatever it, it is, right. I'm just going to do it. Invited you in. know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Good for you. I I am um, I love it when I have the opportunity to watch someone's life evolve. The beautiful thing about you, though, is that your circumstances and maybe who you are um, or how you approach those circumstances have probably changed over the course of time that I've known you. Mm. But you're still who you are. Mm. Like, I don't think, I think that is part of that resilience. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's this defining thing about who Shelby is. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it's beautiful. It's You have this gravitational pull from uh, people. Like, people want to be around you. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of this story, everything that makes you who you are, is part of that. It's yeah. this uh, confidence that you're going to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. I want to be on the train that's going forward, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's definitely... Um, you know, I just have to give all the glory to God for that because, um, I, I don't know where I would be without my faith and, and what, you know, I, I don't want to take any credit for, um, anything good that has come in my life. I do think that God gives us, you know, wisdom and I've been able to use that wisdom to move forward and, um, gives us, direction from other people. He, you know, God has spoken into my life in so many ways, including through you and Casey. That's, you know, a huge part of my story and my relationship with you guys is just journeying through a lot of different faith questions while we were working together. Mm -hmm. Um, so he gives us people in our lives and he gives us his word and he gives us so many ways to hear from him and learn from him. And, um, I hesitate to take any of the credit because I don't think I can, I don't know where I would be without, um, God, the people that he's put in my life and just the, the strength that he's given me to face really anything, you know, and it's, it's just proof that he's gotten me through. If he's gotten me through all the things that he's gotten me through in my life, I have no doubt that he'll Mm -hmm. get me through whatever is coming. Well, Emery is incredibly, um, blessed and has a bright future with you at her helm Mm. um she is uh, and and William too because he's just uh he's a I I don't want to say he's a unique dad because I think there's a lot of amazing dads out there Mm -hmm. but he is very connected with her he is you can just see it in his eyes and you know yeah um so so I think she's she's just she's set yeah. Um, she has so much support around her. Um, you have beautiful friends. You have a beautiful community mm-hmm. um, of support. Um, I don't think you would let your life exist without it. Yeah. Like just knowing who you are. Yeah. Um, what What is on your radar for the future? What is Shelby passionate about? Where are you headed? I know that your job is incredibly important mm-hmm. to you um, as, as much as your family is important mm-hmm. to you. Um, I also know you're a bit of a dreamer Mm -hmm. and you have things out there that excite you. What are some of those things? Um, I, I love, like I said, you know, helping women navigate fertility, but also now helping women navigate motherhood. Um, I'm by no means an expert. Of course, I've been a mom for a year, but just, um, I've, decided to just not care what people think about the way I parent. And, um, and I am really passionate about helping 
uh, empowering other moms to make the decisions that they want to make. Um, and just, there's so much that's not talked about, about becoming a mom. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm passionate about talking about those things and having those conversations and creating a space where a mom can say things that she might feel ashamed to say, Mm -hmm. but that need to be said. Um, so, you know, I look forward to doing more of that just with, um, in the relationships that I'm in, my friends seem to all get pregnant right after I did, which was kind of fun. Um, (laughs) and then I'm, I, in the past couple of years have gotten the opportunity to, um, to preach and to speak publicly. And I am just learning that gift in, in myself Mm -hmm. and that that's something that God's gifted me to do. So, um, I hope to pursue that more in the future and writing. I love writing. So, you know, it would be a dream of mine to start a blog, um, just to write about things that I'm passionate about, Mm -hmm. things I care about, things that I think matter. Um, yeah. What do you think matters? What do you care about? What what would those topics be? Those topics would be motherhood, faith, um, parenting, um, the, the, the state of our world, Mm -hmm. um, the healing from trauma, the journey to, um, living your life on the other side of your trauma. Um, and yeah, a lot of those types of things. Well, I look forward to reading the blog. <laughs> I think you should just go for it. Just do it. Oh, God. You don't even have to publish them. You can just write them. Yeah. Store them. Oh, I've written them. They're just waiting. Yeah. Because yeah. I, you know, it's funny. You're like, oh, you're courageous. And sometimes I'm just like, <laughs> oh, gosh, it just takes just the right amount of courage. And I don't quite have it yet. But yeah. It does. It, it takes a lot to put our voice out there. It's, it's, it is one, one area of courage to do the work within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit personal. It's a bit private. It does over or, or leak into relationships mm-hmm. for us at times. Um, but then when we start putting our voice out there in, in speech or in writing, it's another level. Yeah. Um, or another, I don't want to say level. It's just a different kind of. That's one thing courage. I've admired so much about you and Casey. You guys have just gone after your passions and your dreams and telling your stories. And I'm just like, Oh, they are such badasses. You well, guys are, it, no. it, it comes with the cost because yeah. it, you know, there you do, um, you do lose people mm-hmm. along the way that matter to you yeah. in doing that. And I, and I think one of the things that's really important to me is not that people ever agree with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in whether someone agrees with my opinion or not, right. um, unless it's racism. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. one I might live or die on. <laughs> non-negotiable. Uh, non-negotiable. Um, it just blows my mind that it is negotiable at right. any level. But yep. um, but in, in terms of everything else, how we practice our faith, mm-hmm. there are there are beautiful experiences all over the world in different cultures and how mm-hmm. we understand and experience God. And I, I'm not necessarily interested in somebody agreeing with all the facets of, or all my opinions or things like that. More than anything, I just want people to feel like it's okay to say the things that are in their soul. Yep. And you might disagree with yourself in a week, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Yep. You know? <laughs> it's okay to have an opinion, mm-hmm. to be informed, and to change your opinion. Right. And I think um, some of the... I don't know. Certain Christians might 
just shake their head at me for quoting this person, but Rachel Hollis said it um, in one of her books. Someone else's opinion of you is none of your business, Mm. you know? And I think there are certain people, you know, I care what my husband thinks about me. Right. I care what my daughter thinks about, you know, Right. but as far as most anyone else, you know, unless I've given you permission to be one of those people in my life that gets to have an opinion about me and Mm -hmm. share it with me because I've given you the space to talk to me about my character and, you know, these kinds of things, their opinions are none of your business. It it Mm -hmm. doesn't, um, it doesn't matter. And we can kind of wash our hands of that. And when you can do that, you get to move forward in a lot more freedom Mm -hmm. to be who you are and to be who God created us to be, um, without, worrying about the weight because man people's opinions come with so much weight they do I, I had a life coach um who who worked a great deal with me during one of my hardest times and uh one of the things she kept saying to me is that you are not responsible for how somebody else feels about you mm-hmm. you just aren't yep. you're responsible for you mm-hmm. you're responsible for your responses but you're not responsible for how they respond to you. Now, I don't want to be offensive and <laughs> just for the sake of being offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily, I mean, I truly believe the core, um, my core value is truly that love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. meaning that both of those have to exist, yep. loving and caring for myself and loving and caring for my neighbor. And when, when I can test my opinion and my motive and my who I am against those two things mm-hmm. and say, no, I'm, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Then it's not my responsibility to care, uh, to carry the load of whether you like that or not. Right. Um, but it does come with a cost. It mm-hmm. does come with, um, I wouldn't say a smaller community, but maybe a changing community. Sure. And, um, but I have also learned in that process that I value other people's opinions who disagree with my opinion even more because I know what it means to be valued in mine when they don't agree. So it's a, it's a give and take and it's a process, but it's, um, definitely a better space. I think a better space to be in than what, what I used to, which is constantly being concerned about, you know, either not sharing anything I liked, even down to what coffee I liked. I would order people, I would order the same coffee somebody else was, whether I liked it or not, like if I was with them, because I didn't want my choice to either be more expensive or be disliked by them. I mean, it was really messed up. And um, so just the pure act of going into a coffee shop and ordering the thing I actually liked is a big deal. Mm, And you like coffee. I I love coffee. I like it black. (laughs) And I actually like oat milk coffees. Um, and, um, and it's not because anybody else likes them. I just actually like them. I love them. And the crazy thing is that I hated, you know, yeah, I hated coffee. Right. (laughs) Until I got pregnant (laughs) and I told my husband, this is God. He knows that I'm going to need this in motherhood. So he just like (laughs) switched some jeans and you know, now I need a coffee every day and they're building a Thomas hammer right down the street from me and I cannot wait. Yeah, that's not good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, no, there's way better coffee in town, but it's so far from where I live. No, I you know? get that. Yeah, um, I think one of it, it, this is kind of crazy, but one of the best things that Casey and I ever did um, in our relationship was something that seemed so disconnected from uh, working on our relationship, and that was um, 
joining a wine club and going to wine tastings. Mm. We had to allow ourselves the space to articulate what we liked and disliked about different wines we tasted. And we had to become self-aware of those things that we were tasting. Interesting. And I found in myself that I was willing to say, I don't like the Merlot anytime I try it. It's just not my wine. Mm. But I really like the Syrah. And Mm. every time I taste one, I like it. Mm. And understanding why. And so it was this really good process to... um, to actually give an opinion. And it seems like it's such an unrelated thing to what I believe about politics, what I believe about faith, what mm-hmm. I believe about God, what I believe about you know, raising kids, or what I believe about marriage. Yep. But sometimes it's the smallest things that we do that create the ability to make those bigger decisions right. of choice or of expression of yourself. And the awareness that you had to realize, like, this is how I am, and I need to get better at that. I need to learn how to communicate Mm -hmm. what I want, what I need, what I like, what I don't like. And, you know, for me, one of the hardest things about that was learning to set boundaries Mm. and (laughs) boundaries are so hard, but so necessary. And my counselor had me read boundaries by, um, Henry Cloud and Mm -hmm. someone Townsend, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and man, that book changed my life. You know, I read boundaries are figuring out how I can love you and me at the same time, because if loving this other person is sacrificing what it looks like to love myself, right, that's not okay. And how can I fully love another person if I don't understand how to love myself? Right. You know, this, this, this balance, but also the very core of everything that Jesus uh, wanted us to know. Mm-hmm. He said, of all of these things you think you know about me, about my father, this is what I want you to know. Yep. Love yourself and love your neighbor mm-hmm. as yourself. And it was just, uh, that's where I keep coming back to. If I am continually um, sacrificing care and love for myself, I'm degrading myself, I'm putting myself down, I'm not being honest, mm-hmm. I'm not telling the truth about what... I need and want in this world, then um, why would I offer that to someone else? You know, it it has to be understood in myself as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) if it has to be coffee and wine, oh, well. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's worse things. You know, hard work. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're all about doing the hard work here. (laughs) Well, I am so grateful for you sharing um, your story with me. I know there is so much more to your story. Mm. Um, there always is. Um, there is so much that uh, creates who we are and why we do the things we do and why we think the things are important that are important to us. Um, I am going to be, I am always have been, but I'm going to continue to be a huge supporter of Shelby. Mm. Um, what you do for women and young moms in this community um, is huge. And Thank I you. think you, in 14 months of mothering, you have a lot to offer. Thank you. And I don't think you should ever let that hold you back. Um, because the biggest thing that I've seen you give moms has been the freedom to be the mom they need to be. Mm. And there's all kinds of rules out there about what it means to be a mom and how to parent and 
do I spank or don't I spank or do I sleep with my baby or don't I sleep with my baby? And there's just all of these rules and pressures that moms have that I think now that I have adult children, I go, wow, can you just be okay with being you as mom? It would just be so much pressure relieved. And I think that's the thing I've seen you communicate with Sydney um, is however you decide to do this, make sure it's what you want to be doing. Because um, you're the one that has to lay your head on the pillow at night right. and have that relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was tired of doing things that other people expected of me. Right. And, you know, people telling me, oh, what you're doing is dangerous or, oh, what you're doing is wrong. Or if you do it this way, you're going to get, it's like, you know, let me figure it out with my baby because right. my baby is not your baby. Right. And I know my baby better than anyone else knows my baby. Yeah. So. We're good over here. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. How can I empower you to be good over there? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited uh, for what the future holds for you and your family. And um, anytime you want to come back and share more story um, about you, past, present, or future, um, the space is always open to you um, because I know that you have a lot to share with the world and I want you to do that. Thanks. You're the best. So uh, we're going to finish our rosé off the air because yes. we do have this sitting in front of us. And I know that I've been drinking while Shelby's talking. So <laughs> it's time for Shelby <laughs> to finish hers. Um, so until next time. Thank you for listening. And may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you.